Twenty years have passed since a tragic fire at an illegal rave killed over a hundred people outside Austin, Texas. But is that all that happened on the night in question? Experience the horror of Vampire the Masquerade like never before. Jackalope LARP and White Wolf present a blockbuster LARP horror event. The Night in Question, November 17th, 2018, Austin, Texas. Jackalope-LARP.com for tickets and information. Where will you be on the Night in Question? This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome everyone once again to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast where we review all of the books that have come before us and... (laughs) tell you whether or not they're good i guess um so welcome bob how are you i'm doing pretty good nate how are you i'm great i i thought for a moment we would pretend this is a podcast now we we record these podcasts in the middle of the day which most people are probably like well you guys should be energized it's the middle of the day no fucking sucks well your third shift so you like woke up when like 20 minutes ago uh yeah i i got out of bed 20 to 25 minutes ago and the world's mm. trying to kill me, so that's uh yeah, it's forty degree temperature swing. Yeah. So yeah, yesterday you said it was like in the forties last night, and now it's in like the yeah. now it's like in the eighty five ninety range. Just floored me. Yeah, you all may not think it's important, but uh, it is because we had central air rocking it out. We were living like bosses right during the summer, and then it hit October, and they're like, "Well, we got to turn on the heat." We were like, well, we get it because it's been three really cold days. Yeah. Yeah, no, they can't just flip a switch. They got to change water out and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I think um, for the state of Illinois, and I don't know, uh, my my legal acumen is minimal, but I think in the state of Illinois, it's legally required for an apartment complex to turn the heat on um, like around October 1st or 4th, like somewhere between there. That could be totally wrong, but. Um, I know at our old complex that we lived at when we lived together, that was the case there. Like October 1st, heat's on. Did you figure out how many planets it takes for you to be Nate? I did. I did figure out my, my planet footprint. Would you like to know what my planet is? I do. I'm a three planet man. Three planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm a 2.9er. Today, we're going to review Dust to Dust. Which I don't know if many people even have that book or have read the book, but essentially it's uh, like a loose sort of uh, sequel to the original Ashes to Ashes book, which is like the first um, the first story that was written for the game um, goes way back, you know, to to the very foundations, the very start, and it's apropos because it's kind of like a new beginning for Vampire the Masquerade, and it kind of like much more modest form right yep and uh think, go ahead oh no i was gonna say uh, dust to dust is uh i really feel is not only an update but it also attaches some interesting perspectives about what has occurred between chicago and gary yeah yeah um so uh, the uh real quick little background um we we didn't really know this book was coming out this was a book that was 
it was reviewed or not reviewed, but it was played and it was ran through by the wrecking crew back in the New Orleans um, masquerade ball. And that's where the like the really kick ass looking black leather bound Ankh version of the V20 book was released as well. Um, and one of our friends has that book and it's freaking awesome. Like I'm, I'm very jealous because there's nothing more impressive than a good looking book in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we, we had actually, we had gone to the midwinter convention. So we were still like, you know, doing the LARP thing, whatever. And, uh, um, I don't think either of us, I think this goes back to like, our, you know, we're we're not like super plugged in, at least at the time, we were not super plugged into like what was going on in the world of vampire because we were just kind of like wrapped up in our own little gaming community, right? We had the gaming store, go to a gaming store. If they didn't know it wasn't out. Right. That's just how it went. And most people relied on a gaming store for their info. It's no secret. Right. So we, we were going to uh, a local LARP and uh, at this local LARP, Somebody that went there was real big in the One World by Night community. Like they were, you know, totally into it and everything. And uh, we had kind of like, we had reservations. We'll just put it that way. Um, And a lot of those reservations, they existed for a reason. And they're totally reservations that we were entitled to have. But um, the, the, you know, the person was like, hey, go to this convention. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a ball. And for those of you who are familiar with this podcast, we've talked about it a number of times. Um, Bob pretended, Bob played a character where he pretended he was, he, he, he had a mistaken identity of being Loden, right? And <laughs> so we go to this convention and it's pretty small at the time. It was like, I think January of 2012, I could be wrong, but I think that's when it was. And we go into this little, um, this little bizarre area and there's some books being sold and, you know, the V20 book had just come out and everybody was kind of like really excited about that. And I saw this book and I was like, oh, because I'm, I'm the guy that like, if there's a new book and it's the thing that I'm into and I've got the money to buy it, you're going to get me to spend money on it. That doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I'm going to spend money on it. And so, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to get it. And I remember everybody else being like, oh, whatever, like you got a book. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but for me, like getting this book and we'll we'll definitely get into the review here in a moment but just i want to just preface our review if it seems harsh um don't take it necessarily as that because like personally i'm very nostalgic for this book and i'm very nostalgic for these stories even if they are a little subpar they're not what i would consider necessarily the most um defining stories of what this game I feel is meant to be. So anyways, that's the background of the book. Let's get into it. So your, your if opinions, I, Bob, your, your, well, my, sorry, my opinion. It's not, it's not, my opinions are just a little, uh, the book itself does a good job with the characters, right? Yeah. A few of them. Um, you got uh, juggler, which is the top anarch that's been antagonist in many of their stories relating to, uh, Indiana specifically. Right. 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 Uh, you have Modius, the Torador Prince, who was at war with Loden directly, uh, a very petty war, I might add. Yeah. Uh, for instance, you learned that uh, his whole strategy, because Loden would uh, would have elders in the city, but he forbid anyone to embrace anyone else because he embraced a whole cavalcade of children. Right. He, he didn't want the same thing. So people would just go to Gary, Indiana, and would ask that prince, hey, can I have a child? And, Mod- and Modius was like, yeah, go for it. And you can raise your child here, and it's cool to hang out. And it was like a proving ground. 
Right. Your child didn't leave until they were ready to go to the big dance. And that's great. It worked for that's that's how Indiana stayed in the game so long. Yeah. As Gary, far as Gary specifically. Right, right. Right. But then Loden dies. No point to go to Indiana now. We could just embrace him in Chicago. Right. And they kind of leave it to where it, it dies. It's slowly right. dying. Right. And, and and one of the things too that um is important to point out is that in addition to that, like Loden was like um actively like proactively trying to make efforts to destroy economically Gary. So um we recently had talked about well, I, I had talked about this with one of our listeners on our Discord. And, you know, I I, I kind of feel like Modius is a bit of a um a tragic character because like he is essentially the prince of nothing now because the the kindred kind of rode the wave of of like what happened in the rust belt which brought the economic decline of gary indiana and you know like here's a here's a a a vampire who like was a legitimate prince and because of like the economic decline we see in this book he's like the prince of nothing essentially and they, and they leave it at that because it's supposed to be a prince who's takeable. It's supposed to be a prince who's not 100% in power. And it, it just to me, it just seemed like Modius was always that target to either befriend and make a part of your coterie, your coterie to take over, to turn something out of the area that just isn't being utilized right. for whatever that is. And that's it's all grand except, remember, the juggler who wants an anarch free state right. right next to Chicago. And that's the that's the overall between those two, right? And Juggler's always been a powder keg anyway, right? Because he's a failed anarch. He's somebody who didn't get his movement going. And he used to be a threat. Used to. It's like he's too old now. Nobody, all his rivals that, that were there before, I guess, sure, whatever, it's Juggler. Right. And then all the anarchs now are like, you're a traitor. You know, you at one point tried to trade up, apparently. And that's the rumor, so you suck. And he gets that because he's still at odds with Modius, Right. Right. He's, he's, and, and at odds is not even what I'd call it anymore. Like, it's like you had a rival and you and that rival are now in the same boat. Right. You know, you, the kings of nothing. So you have to decide what that means. And very much that's your backstory, right? They have a fight, which is basically like a slap fight. They're not, you know, Modius, <laughs> Modius pissed him off. Right. And him and Juggler go to box through the streets. And Modius, who kept his cool, realizes there's no mortals around. They've been through four or five city blocks and no, not a single soul has seen these two vampires fight. And he hides. Juggler calms down. He tells him this. Juggler's like, oh, you're just looking at the city the wrong way. If we went to a gas station or to a McDonald's, eh, somebody would come along. You'd right. see him. <laughs> sort of like, there's come up. It's Modius. It's not that bad. And then they're like, oh, well, this place would be a great place for vampires then. Right. Low but, mortal visibility. You just got to know where to get them. Yeah. So they they like start to discuss and and Modius has this concept in his head that like this would be a great like way station, like a rest area in 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 between wherever they're coming from in Chicago. Right. Like a like a staging ground. And so um, that's like one of the first like hooks that like you're going to be using uh, because this this is a module. Right. And it's a it's a relatively small one. So it's something that you can pick up. You can read through. You can, you know, kind of dissect and use whatever you want. Um, but that's one of the the first hooks of of this story that uh, they get that that concept, that idea down. Now, um, just to like take a little detour here. When I first got this book, I noticed in here when I opened it up, it was it was different in some way from the other like module books the other story source books that 
um, I had seen with, for this game previously. And um, it had on here, on the very front page, it says, uh, uh, a story for Vampire the Masquerade 20th Anniversary Edition using the storytelling adventure system. And then it says, like, scenes nine, and then it gives you, like, an XP level, and it, it has, like, the mental, physical, social with the dots filled in. And Can you explain that to me? I, my explanation for it at the time was, I don't know what that is, so I'm just going to ignore it, right? Now, for those of you who've only played Vampire the Masquerade, which is, like, Bob and I, I think that was our uh, concern. We didn't know what the fuck that was, so we just ignored it. Like, maybe it was something that popped up that we never heard about or whatever. Maybe it was something they were going to get started and they didn't. Well, interestingly enough, the storytelling adventure system is actually designed for play with uh, Chronicles of Darkness or New World of Darkness, I believe, you know, they kind of like referred to it at the time. But it's Chronicles of Darkness. And the storytelling adventure system is a system of implementation for story that you can use as a storyteller to tailor your game. Um, if you remember like the, in the old days is basically like you have a linear gameplay, right? Uh, scene a feeds into scene B and scene B feeds into scene C. And inevitably what happens when you're a storyteller for, for any game or a dungeon master for any game is your players are going to, not even remotely think of like the the quote unquote appropriate thing to do next and they're going to do whatever they want and oftentimes especially for newer game masters your big problem is you you go oh okay uh i don't know what to do now um the players are not following the script i i I don't know what to do and then you run off the rails and you don't end up telling the right story and then you try to get it back on and you have to like jam it into the game and nobody knows what's going on right so that's a common thing with the storytelling adventure system and i know very little of it we uh, i specifically am not like a requiem player so much and um i don't think bob like by and large if you go well bob why don't you know about it you play requiem oh i know about it. i know about requiem requiem storytelling system and this is this is similar yeah i'll give it that but it's not exact because because they do it in a series of uh, experience charts, right? Or not even charts, just to say you have a storytelling card right. for every scene you're going to run, right? And in that card, it details what you want to do as a storyteller. It keeps you on the level, right. of what your objectives are, but they're supposed to be vague, right? And you award certain big things uh, with uh, pot- potential XP, but that's it, right? And, and you leave it alone. And when you're done, you look at the card, and it's quick. It's meant it's meant to be like a note card, right? You know, here you are with it, move on, and you make them yourself, right? That's the thing. But when I saw this in this book, it's like CCP had a big idea. And they were going to make all this stuff come out, and they were all going to have, this is a, here's more modules. And right. this one's a 0 to 50 XP module to run through, and you're going to gauge how big it was based on the module. Right. That's that's the first. Well, yeah. So as far as I know, and from the investigation that I've done, this is the only book, this is the only V20 book or period, like, uh, world of darkness classic world of darkness book that uses this system and um when i first got this book uh i don't i don't remember if the version i have now but when i first got the book there were actually like um you know it's a printed version but there were like links in the book right but like you can't click paper so um <laughs> you know that that <clears throat> led me to understand and as i did more investigation that this is kind of designed for like 
<clears throat> internet gameplay. And what I mean by internet gameplay is like it's it's meant for digital consumption. That's what it was created for first. And going through this book, you'll see a lot of artwork in here. And the artwork is digital artwork. It's not um, it's not so much that somebody drew it and then somebody went on a computer and kind of gussied it up. It looks like just straight digital graphics for like a video game. And then uh, I started to rethink this book a little bit. And I started to rethink the scenes and the way that the scenes are set up in this book. And what what I'm realizing here is that a lot of these scenes are set up in a way that would be similar to getting quests in a video game. And you don't really recognize it at first, at least I didn't, but as I'm sort of putting all of these things together, I'm starting to go, wait a minute. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I know what was happening at the time of this, of this book being put out. And what was happening at the time of this book being put out was they were developing the World of Darkness game. And so that led me to believe that this might potentially just be like a straight adaptation from the World of Darkness game into a book. Which would have been cool. I mean, thinking about it, if they were building a game and then immediately already had a module that told part of the story that they didn't put in game, like mm-hmm. they were wanting you to role play through it, but it still had the stuff that you would role play online, right? Like you said. Right. So if this was a PDF online you had, everybody could follow along and do it. Okay. Right. I'm with you so far. It seems cool. Maybe there was a system where at the end of it, you could email them and let them know my players got 20 XP and their characters involved got an X amount of XP. Right. Well, I don't know what the idea was because it wasn't there. Right, right. And and what we're doing now is pure conjecture. We're totally speculating. I don't know shit about it. Uh, you know, I'm At just I'm, I'm going off of purely what I've been able to deduce through my very cursory investigations. But um, like I said, this this is the only uh, material that I can find that uses the storytelling adventure system. But it leads me to believe that there was going to be more. Uh, the, the, the intent was there would be more now, um, this is definitely, this is CCP. This is still like straight white wolf material. And we know shortly after this book is released, everybody was kind of like ushered into a room and, and unceremoniously shit canned. So like we, we kind of, we understand if you don't know that, like this book, um, was released, I believe shortly before like white wolf was kind of like shoehorned into the CCP network. And like, everybody was kind of like sent their merry way. So this is not a, an onyx path book. Doesn't matter, but let's get, let's get back to the review. So, so um, we have Modius and we have, we have juggler and they're kind of like, they two, two old souls been fighting for years and they've got really nothing going for them. So they devised this plan. And then, um, you know, as we talked about, it's not really a linear story, right? But they just kind of give us like scenes. There's there's people you can run into that make a that make a difference, right? And mm-hmm. as you bump into them, they got stuff going on, right? Reasons they're there as well. And the point is, is that everybody's reason for being there is the actual module, right? Like as whoever the players encounter, whoever they encounter them, are going to be the story for it. And one of the more interesting ones, I'm trying to find her name real quick. Uh, it's a Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in the city, and her name Maria. is her name's Maria Maria Di Matteo D'Amato. D'Amato? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry Maria. Right. I didn't mean to butcher and, uh, your last but, name. 
But Maria is unique because she developed a system of making money. She makes shit horror films, which yeah. immediately drew me to the character. Right. Because it's something I'd play. Right. I was like, oh, this is great. And what she does is she finds dying towns to go and shoot her horror films in. And she does it on the cheap because it's cheaper to make a movie away from Hollywood than in Hollywood. And what it is is since she makes the film cheap and she uses cheap labor, right? Because right. who wouldn't want to be in a film? Even if it's free, you'd be an extra in the film because it's great for your portfolio. And that's that's kind of her angle. But she decides she's going to make this zombie walkathon, And she puts everybody in full makeup that wants to show up to go for it. And they're the automatic extras. So she's just paying costuming. And then out of the people who show, she picks them for key shots, makes a film, turns a profit. That's the point. And she does this all day long. This is her thing. Right. She also has a unique way of looking at Gary. She decides that Gary's city, its soul is dying. And that that's a concept, a city dying, but not dead yet. What happens if she's there when it does? Right. Can you capture the dying soul? And what would that mean for her in the city in and of itself? Well, could it, can it happen? Is it even possible? You know, uh, she has the power to do it, but when it's done, what would the city become then? And she's that, that's what she's here to do. And this right here represents Bob's Jump the Shark one. Right. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. So um, I, I like it conceptually, but we, we had talked about um, some things in Gehenna, right? Let's, let's go back to podcasts. We talked about some things in Gehenna. And one of the things that I had issue with, um, with the, uh, the, the Lilith one, was the monsters under the city carving runes into it to like capture the city, right? right. I, I, for me, it seems as if it is a little outside of the pale. It's a little, it's jump the sharky for me. Anytime someone's like, I'm gonna do this to a whole city, I'm like, mm, that's like, it, it, how, but it's, how do you make it make sense? Right. It's, it's hard for me because. It's it's a it's like a it's actually kind of like a cool concept, like the the proverbial death of a city and the literal death of a city, and someone who investigate or so, someone who a, a Giovanni who is like actually studying whether or not there is a spirit to a city. Now, for us White Wolf nerds, and also kind of like they indicate in this book that like yeah, cities can technically have spirits. Now, do I want to get mired in that shit in my vampire game? Not in mine. First and foremost, they do, right? They mm-hmm. have spirits. It's animism. That's werewolf's brand. Right, right. That's literally werewolf's brand. Right. When you find a backwater alleyed way to use your necromancy, which already has its own shtick, to decide that you're going to use it to step on the toes of that genre, like poke a hole through the other side, I why? But that's yeah. what I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's that's the issue that I have with like the multi-genre LARP games, right? It's it, It's... I understand that your werewolf exists in this world and your vampire exists in this world, but what always really like made my eyes roll in such a way that it affected gravity was like this kind of like it affects the entire city. It's like, you know, but it it lends a little bit of credence to my 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 conceptualization of like this is kind of like video game esque, right? Like it's the quest. The quest is the the save the city or kill the city. You know, it's sorry. it's not that I mean it's not that I'm even really like oh man I'm pissed burn the book. No, as much as it is, she's a cool concept. Yeah, until see what I'm saying. Until the moment it gets to this, it's like ah uh, no. Yeah, right, right. Just why? It's you know, it's a little it's a little zany. It's a little and, a little wacky. And what would you give her? 
right? Let's let's take it that far because my brain did. Now I'm necromantically in charge of a city that has died. Right. Is she able to restore buildings? Is well, she able to make it to where the Starbucks on every corner spreads out? Well, it's it's interesting that you you mention that because like at the end of the the book, you know, they don't actually tell you like this is what happens if it's a success. They do that standard shit where they're like hey, what 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 do you want it to do? What, what you know, it maybe it rends the the shroud and the spirit world and okay maybe that's an option um maybe the uh the death of the city slowly accelerates a little bit quicker than it was it, you know they give you these options but also it's like just tell me just tell me what happens like there's right, no because creatively i can think of a bunch of ways to haunt a city right right a bunch of them none of them involve her damn ritual right and, and if she controlled the city like here's the other thing that annoys me new world of darkness came out right as it already had, yeah. had an idea there was a venture offshoot where they worship architecture uh-huh. and they had similar, they had, they had powers that influenced the city and did all that. That made sense for them. And I feel this directly kind of, kind of borrowed from that. It had to have, because the idea, the idea behind it was if you built the building ground up, that there was an attachment to it and a bond that that character had with it, which was, which is great in Requiem. Right. It's new. It's weird. It's kind of like that niche. Awesome. When I bring it back to V20, I'm sitting here going, uh, which which Giovanni Elder comes around and shows her real necromantic magic and stop fucking around? Well, and also um, the other problem I have with it is kind of something you touch base with at the very end there, and that is uh, when you look at this character's sheet, when you look at the relative power level of this character, and you go, so let me get this straight. This character was the first Giovanni to ever like conceptualize this idea that a city could die. And somehow with her level three necromancy, she created a ritual that like could potentially rend the shroud. Like it's an idea that you gave in your book. I think maybe whoever conceptualized this maybe didn't understand really like relative power level. And, And let's, let's time it there. They're limited in their imagination as well. You're talking about a death of a city and thinking that's a big deal. And she's wondering about that there. Why wouldn't you think of it to be the bigger gamble? I would have had her go to the library of Alexandria that was sacked and lost. All that knowledge gone. Mm-hmm. That that has a spiritual representation there. If anywhere there was a building that had a soul, it's there. Right. And that's where it died. Take your necromantic building, have an ass over there and see what you could do there and have more of an impact to me. Because all the books talk about that all this knowledge was lost. We were set back you know, centuries because of everything that was in there and blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's let's go there. Right. Let's let's make that a plot that makes more sense and would give relevance to her, especially especially if it was just said even this much. She's practicing the ritual here to learn what she can. Right. She doesn't know if it's going to work. Doesn't know what she's going to get. Whatever success, pass or fail, it's then to take her over there to investigate a much bigger project because her sire so and so, blah blah blah. In other words, flesh out your character. Right. Flesh it out so that someone like my bonehead can sit there and go, oh, okay, I get that. And I wouldn't say a word. I'd right. be like, oh, okay. Interesting. See right. how that goes. So um, let's not spend too much time, you know, dishing on Maria. Because um, at the end of the night, it's a, it, you know, it's an interesting enough character concept. But there's, I think, other things you could do with it that would uh, m- make it a little bit more grounded. Um, can we talk momentarily about Sullivan Dane? We can, because he's a hero for me in White Wolf Forever. And I will do more than talk about it. 
Sullivan Dane is the reason I play Vampire. Please elaborate. The reason. When I first got their book, that old school Marble Rose book back ages ago, Uh and I had it, I read what a Vampire Hunter was, and I was obsessed with it. Why? I hated the Lost Boys forever. (laughs) I I couldn't stand it because the damn Frog Brothers. You had these kick-ass, charismatic, cool-ass vampires you're watching, and they get killed by these losers. And I was like, I, whatever. This is this is hot garbage, right? Then I'm watching movies like uh, Salem's Lot, where where a young kid and some some older guy are running around staking the master, the master who's been subjugating entire towns, yeah, and making mass amounts of they're just running through and handling it. What three people? This is ridiculous. You know, great films, but again, I'm like, why is it my vampires are losing into what? Mm-hmm. And then finally, because everything comes in threes, there's another film that was big back in the day where it had. Uh, Suddenly, it slipped my mind, and I knew it was gonna. And one of the main characters in his name's Brewster, and the vampire next door is Charlie. Or no, he's Charlie. Excuse me. The vampire next door is whatever he's named, but he's basically looking to eat his mom. Okay. And it's this vicious, savage vampire. They did a remake of it. And uh, Fright Night. Bottom line is, yeah, there you go. Fright Night. And Fright Night at the end of it, basically, these hunters come out of nowhere. It's always a ridiculous dude who happens to have all the equipment to kill a vampire, just not the courage to use it. That oh, mystically okay. finds the ability to use it. It's all right. about underestimation. Then I saw Sullivan Dane, and I was all about this character. Here's finally a vampire hunter who's a fucking vampire hunter. This is a dude who's like, nah, God has chosen me, and I'm on a path, and I will wreck shop. You, 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 you feed the night. You killing people. You sloppy. You're mine. Uh huh. No one else's, and that's how it is. And he's and and he could walk in Chicago and do his deed. The church loves him. He's somebody who's there, and he's like the he's like the kind guy. That would be like one day feeding the homeless, the next day just ending people because something bad happened that he heard about. Right. And in a way, he's like the World of Darkness's first superhero. And I mentioned that because that's how I used him. <laughs> right. So <laughs> in my first chronicle ever, that was the storyteller MacGuffin for me. Yeah. That if the players just because I didn't understand limits to XP, power levels, all the classic mistakes that you could be making, I made them. Right. And I had this one guy who was an Asimite Bruja hybrid because I didn't we. <laughs> He asked me if you could be a split clan. I was like, I don't know. It doesn't say you can't. I guess you can. And he's running around with ridiculous celerity, potence, presence, quietness, the whole nine. And he smokes half the primogen. Right? He's just going through Kamanatong and him and deciding that he's going to be king. There's a prince. He's now king and Loden will obey. And I Sullivan dained him. And it was glorious. There's 11 us at this game. And I remember sitting there and Sullivan Dane kept sending him messages that you need to repent. You need to stop now. Uh-huh. I've allowed you to kill vampires, but you're going to become king of them, which means you're going to get complacent. That's not the path of God. This great role play back and forth. And he's like, screw this mortal. I'm just going to kill him. And at high noon, Dane walked into his haven and they had at it. And, and he died. Why? It's daylight. Right. And I saw it and I was like, that's a good ending. Why? Because that was a shitty player. <laughs> right. Right. I was the shitty storyteller for coming in and doing it. And that was that. But then later on, that stuck in my head. And it's like, why was that great? Why was that possible? Because White Wolf was wise. They made a character that could stop your most egregious character from running around and wrecking your entire story. And oh boy, can he! Right. It's it's it's, it, it's funny that you mentioned like the first superhero of of White Wolf because like looking at this character and like seeing the things that he can do um, from the first edition perspective, man, my sunglasses are mirrored. Like Sullivan <laughs> Dane is a bad motor scooter looking at it from the perspective of like 15 years of playing this game, I'm like, Oh, this is a broken ass character, right? True faith can detect vampires just by looking at them. 
like bad, you know, just skills and, and, right, just just boom, like like you want to screw around? Okay, well here's my Sullivan Dane bomb. Like and 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 you know, I look at it and I'm like it's kind of a ridiculous character. Yep. I I and and here's the thing. I enjoy the character. I like so Sullivan much. Dane. I like I want in every way I want to hate this character, but my nostalgia will not allow it. But the and and it's presented in the total typical video game fashion, right? Sullivan Dane's not there to kill your players. He could, he should, but he's not. He's like a guy that you query for information, and the whole time he's like, "I give you information, but also you should go and wait for the sun to come up. Like you should go <laughs> kill yourself. Um, you're vampires, and you're like small fish." And that was the thing that kind of like baffled the shit out of me. Like by all accounts this is not the appropriate way to use a hunter. This is not an appropriate way to use an atomic bomb of a hunter. Pardon me. Um, but I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. It's, it's fun. Why why is he here then? He's not here for that. What's he here doing? What he's here doing is actually really cool to run a hunter game of. Right. Right. He doesn't want to rely on the church to bring in more hunters because they tend to be over the top. I will say it again. Sullivan Dane is awesome as he is. Is a person who knows how to. He has his own masquerade. Normal right. people should not find out what he is and what he does, right? Because it causes panic and it makes puts more people at risk. Again, this is your typical Batman Superman complex. Yeah, I know what I could do, but you need to stay out of it. But it, but it makes sense, right? And he decides. Well, I'm, I'm. He's doing his job going around handling vampires until he finds one, one that is so over the top. Is a vampire that has zero fucks given mm-hmm. about him getting caught, mortal lives, whatever. He's killing whole families. He's making it a habit of going into homes and wiping everyone out and sleeping in it. And this is um, this is Jean Leal, is his name, and he's a Semedi. Now Jean Leal is, honestly, I feel it's a very typical background for most Semedi these days when you read about it. He's from Haiti. Uh, he was there during the tumultuous time. You know, or the warring all the time. He gets embraced. You know, he's black. He's going to get revenge. Right. He killed. Okay, you're to kill all the landowners. Great. And then he mystically moves on. Or excuse me, opposes the French. I shouldn't just say landowners, but opposes the French over there. And then, boom, now he's in the States. Doing what? Eh, running around the Sabbat, eating people. Yeah. You know, Sabbat uses them. They say, hey, man, what's up? Well, well, let's let's dig a little bit deeper into um, Jean Lyle, uh, because I think that this character... Um, it could be a very challenging and interesting character to play um, as a storyteller. Uh, if you took this this concept as it was written, and you you know actually sat down and you had like a conversation with your players from the perspective of this character, that would be awesome, right? That would be like you could have this like dynamic, deep like you know your players could maybe get into like what motivates this character and like how monstrous he's become. But they don't do that. Um, he's the Semedi in a jar and he's a murder machine. Well, they don't do that because he's a white. Essentially. Right? He, he's, he's not, he's, he's not a humanity. Right. But they're, they're describing him as a white, like fleeting memories of who he was, doesn't really understand beyond his instincts. And that's what it is. And, and fleeting glimpses of it, even after feeding. And that's about as much as you can hope for. And that's why he gets caught by Dane. Right. Dane sees him in this downward spiral, but that's before I let uh, Nate jump on Lyle. Cause Lyle is a great character. And I know you have a love for him. Uh, but the, uh, or at least that's what you talked about when you originally got the book. I yeah. don't know if that has changed. So but, where you're leading is probably to Laszlo Varga. 
Oh no, not yet. Okay. Uh, what, I, what I was finishing up is what Dane was doing. Yeah. So Dane's hunting him. He drops off mm-hmm. the map. Like no vampire ever heard of Dane anymore. You know, and it's like, why? Well, it's because he's hunting him. Well, this great fire rips through Indiana. And the book flat out says it's because that's, that's what happens. When, when Dane thought he finally had him trapped, he called in the other inquisitors. He gets them to come in. And against his better judgment, the inquisitors decide to burn the house down that he's in that Lyle's in, you know, cause he slaughtered everyone and went to sleep and it's during the day mm-hmm. they burn it down and Dane refused to leave a burning building. That's what I loved about this character. The way they wrote it buildings burning down. The other hunters like, Holy shit. The neighborhood caught on fire. Dane's in an inferno. And he's like, now nah, I'll die to make sure this monster's dead. And he watches him, And then he sees him turn to ash. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone fans of Samedi know that's catchbook survival one one. Right. Dash's power is cool as hell. He falls to ash. Dane leaves enter Laszlo Varga. Yeah. Um, sorry, my uh my my snorting and, and you know my noises might be too revealing, but so Laszlo Varga is um a fella that was a member of a death cult essentially, and um for some unknown reason, unknown even to the character, someone like walked into like the, the church where um Laszlo Varga was practicing with the cult that he was in and just like fires a gun. And Laszlo Varga gets shot. Well, he dies instantly. He's taken to the morgue and he comes back to life. And he comes back to life apparently because of all these rituals he had done before he died um, to like grant him immortality. This uh, amulet, some weird amulet was given to him. Right, right. So, so, you know, he's, he's the, and, but the thing is like, that's, that's it. He's a mortal who died, who has necromancy, who you apparently can't kill. Eastern necromancy. They're big on pointing this out. Eastern necromancy only made up in this book. Right. Never but, to be explained. But also, like, never to be explained. And also, I'm going through here, and I'm like, look, I, I, I know Vampire the Masquerade pretty well. I feel like at this point, I've done my due diligence. I know this game fairly well. Um, what that, what, like, what, what is, what is this guy that he just? And there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. It's basically like they made a character who your players can just beat on all day, but they can't kill. But any of the NPCs could just walk over and kill. Like, that's it. And and his whole point is, he's essentially trying to, like, create a cult. Um, I don't... Undergoing a similar ritual. Right, right. Like, I don't... And he, he's got a jar of ashes that he thinks is, like, the ultimate power. Um, but it's actually just this vampire. So basically, his whole point is... He fights your players, and then he throws the ashes, like he throws the pot on the ground, and he reveals the final boss, the right. the other badass beat stick, who will punch you or break your bones. <laughs> um, oh, I hate you! I was like, you, this whole time you said it's like a modules or like a like encountering quest. I was like, is it? Yeah. All right, now I'm gonna let you watch it. Oh my god, it is. Just thinking about that, yeah. is, that that is literally his only purpose. Right, right, because like um, Laszlo Varga. You can't you your players can't kill him, right? So they can do all their special moves on him. They can they can wait for their their alphas to charge, and they can do like you know all the all the badass stuff, but they can't kill him, right? So it's it's not an easy fight, but he's not he's not super effective at killing them either. He's super strong for a vampire, uh, or for for a mortal, but like they're not. He's not powerful enough well, for a vampire too. Don't forget, right, he right. has level four fortitude and potency. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but but I mean, it's just fortitude and potence, right? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing incredibly dangerous. He's not going to like shrink their heads or anything. That's for the final boss, because like Maria or Sullivan Dane could just like walk over and basically they're like, yeah, uh, you want to kill Laszlo Varga with them? That's totally fine. But your players basically won't be able to do it. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so, I, had a, I had a problem with it. Uh huh. And I, I sent you this match as I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. If anyone's a fan of Hellraiser, I am. And I've watched every one of their movies, read all the books, love Clive Barker. Immediately when I read Laszlo Varga, the character Winter from Hellraiser Debtor stuck out in my head. Because Debtor is one where it lost fans. I, I remember hearing about that too. And not to segue too much, bottom line, it's a nihilistic death cult. Yeah. Where they're able to die and come back immediately under Winter's thing. And that's exactly what Varga's doing. And mm-hmm. I sat there and I was like, I, I, I did to me, that's where I, that's where it lost me is I was like, when something's that somewhere, I tend to be like, ah, it's not really, all right, we'll move on from there. But everything else you added to it made it to where I would, uh, this would be a good beard pretzels game. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. Think about like earlier in the scene too, when you're at the, uh, the zombie walk, um, because that's part of the, the whole thing here. Um, he gets up on top of the, the, um, the trailer and he like throws the ashes out on the people, like hoping to turn them all into like these like death cults. And it's like, he summons minions because, because he hits people, but he hits about a hundred people. Right. And so your, your characters, they got to go fight minions, right? They got to go fight the lesser guys, you know, fight the mobs or whatever. And then, um, they, you know, then Laszlo Varga flees and, and then your, your party, they go, and they fight Laszlo Varga in an abandoned building, right? It's a big, you think it's the final fight, but it's not. Because now we have Gene Lyle, who, if you, like, just calm down, just becomes, like, this loping madman, and he runs off. And then you can beat Laszlo Varga with one of your NPCs, you know, uh, one of your special, you can summon Sullivan Dane. And Sullivan Dane gives him the last rights, and then he's dead, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, and that's how it's presented. And it's like, all right. If this were a video game, if this were I have to do the quests and defeat the the enemy, that's great. This is not a video game. This is a storytelling game. And there's no fucking story here. The story is, there's no fucking story. So that's over, right? That scene's done. So then there's a couple of other scenes that you can you can play around with. And um the one of the other scenes is essentially you have to um uh, with Modius and Juggler, shit comes to a head. And Modius is like, God damn you, Juggler. I'm going to blood hunt you. And you can do one of two things. You can either go, yeah, let's kill Juggler. Or you can go, well, I guess there's a couple. Of, there's like three things you could do. Or you could go, what Juggler says, and he's like, bitch, you ain't blood hunting shit. Like, like who, who are you going to send at me? There's nobody. And then they commence the fighting. And you can either go, I'm on Juggler's side and jump the prince and kill him, right? Or you can take the prince's side and jump Juggler and kill him. Or you can do what any self-respecting coterie of vampires would do at this moment and be like, this is dumb. Peace the <laughs> fuck out. We're, we're out of here. You, you, two, you two little bickering uh, sillies, you figure it out yourself. I'd finish filling up the gas tank and leave. Right, right. Like, 
Okay, well, um, it's like about four o'clock in the morning, and I gotta find somewhere to sleep before dawn. So we're just gonna we're just gonna head out. If that's cool. But you know, they basically they're like you you could your your coterie they could just like jump Modius and and kill him, and then Juggler would be like, hey, you guys are awesome, and then y- your players could be like Prince of Gary, and I'm like, oh, okay, like just just like that, just like okay, like that seems to be a rather a quick advancement in in the game like i could also drive to booger holler arkansas <laughs> booger holler <laughs> population like 18 including two coon dogs three squirrels and something else they have in their sign place actually exists booger hollow and just declare myself prince there as well but you know i'm just gonna go to a bigger city with more of a populace right. just saying um so that's that's one of the uh the ramp ups and then of course the final scene um i believe it's the final one is the final one is maria doing her ritual and basically uh they we we kind of already talked like there's there's a variety of different things but essentially maria brings in a very old woman an elderly woman who's been living in gary indiana since gary indiana was uh, doing incredibly well and she's lived here throughout the entirety of the time and basically she's like this woman is the spirit of gary uh apropos of nothing she's just like a person who lives in gary who's lived in gary for like 90 years right like she, this woman it becomes the spirit of gary because maria said so like there that's it right like i did i miss anything no okay no you didn't i'm just nodding I- booger hollow arkansas population seven <laughs> counting one corn dog one coon dog i'm sorry although corn dog is apropos as well um so anyways uh you have the opportunity to stop maria from from sacrificing this woman or you can just let her right you can let her fulfill her ritual and um there's no real ramifications at the end and um, unless you make them right. There's, there's no, like, this is exactly what happens because there's no ritual here. It's not, they're not giving you any like sort of rule. It's kind of just like, Hey, whatever works for your, your campaign, whatever works for your chronicle, that's what you should do. Um, and that's, that's it. So, um, that's it. It's my poop noise. We'll leave it that now. Um, my opinion of this book is, is pretty simple. I, I can, I can condense it down for you relatively quickly. I think that the characterizations provided in this book, you could do a lot with. I've used Laszlo Varga in a game, and I think that he can be a very interesting character because like, you don't know what the fuck he is. You don't know where the fuck he came from. Would I, would I make him like the final boss fight? No. No, to me, you're, this game is about characterization. It's about storytelling. And I think that when you take these very interesting characters and you kind of just like turn them into a boss fight, it's kind of stupid. Uh, it's kind of, it's, you're missing out on a lot. Um, so Sullivan Dane, I think is cool and can be used very, uh, interestingly and very, in a very nuanced fashion. Um, Juggler and Modius, I think, um, uh, the way that they're kind of presented in here, they do seem like kind of raggedy, like comic relief. But I think that they can be shown to be more um, like depressing, right? More, <laughs> more like more, um, uh, more tragic. I think that they. 
they represent something not talked about in a world of darkness, and that's the mortals are the lives of blood of where vampires live. Right. Period. It's not mentioned enough to where people could care, but if you think you're in a uh, what other place like Detroit, right, is another one. What happened to the Sabbat, Right. The mortal population got low because they were leaving, and what, what were they fighting over at a point? Right. And that was that was that. So I mean, that was that was a whole town that went out from under them too. But that'll kill a vampire populace as well. Right. Because there's no mortals there. And Modius and uh, excuse me, Gary represents that unique place where if your players are thinking it's all taken for granted. Have them stay there for a couple game sessions, right? And see what it takes to understand that you have to take care of that. You have to adult, right? <laughs> as, a, as a vampire, so right. I, I think, and I think that that's like the key. That Gary, I think, is a very compelling place, and Gary uh, and and the kindred uh, and the the life cycle of the kindred, for lack of a better term, um, are are very they they make for very good story fodder. Um, and, and I think that honestly, you could probably take this story and you could tailor it to a, to a more nuanced scenario. Um, so I think that this book is a value because it tells some story of like the actual world, but I don't think it does a very effective job of it. And I think that if you are, um, you are a knowledgeable storyteller, you can get this book and you can adapt this story to be more compelling for a long-term chronicle uh, all these characters they exist in my chronicle like all of these characters i don't know about laszlo varga no one's encountered him and i don't necessarily need him to uh but none of my players have encountered any of these folks from here because gary's just kind of been a stopover and they haven't investigated they haven't dug deeper so they haven't ran into them but they're there right i feel i feel that all these characters fit better in new orleans and that's where i would have them I would take the characters. That's the only reason I use the book and I would run the characters out of new Orleans where I feel that that would be a better fit. And new Orleans already has a backdrop yeah. of what they have going on. And these guys would thrive. I mean, the characters fit better uh, in that environment, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a, that's an interesting perspective. So um, I, I guess that's really like the crux of this review. Um, I mean, I would get this book because I, I've bought it twice and I'm not yes. a big fan of it, but I've bought it twice because, you know, it's a nostalgia thing. Like, I, I like the game, and I'm going to support it. Um, and I, honestly, like, if you are a new, if you're a new storyteller to the game, these books can help you to to get your, your sea legs. They can help you to arrange how to run a game and how to run scenes. But definitely, like they say in every freaking book, make it your own you know, adapt it for your chronicle. So one reason I love doing these reviews, guys, is understanding that I think when you hear it from, from people you trust, and I know you trust us, that uh, you you get that you can do whatever you want with the books you buy, right. whatever you want. It's not wrong right. to completely rewrite a character and just use their stats or whatever you want to do uh, to make it fit. Um, tell us we're wrong and run it your way. Feel free. Right, right. And and we, we still win right. because that's exactly what we want you to do. It's exactly what the company wants you to do. Right, right. And I think that what's really important here is, you know, a lot of people, they come to like here, do we agree with them? And, you know, whether or not we agree with you or you agree with us, this is just our perspective on it. Like there's no right or wrong when it comes to running this game. If your game is every night, uh, you know, you have Sullivan Danes running around smoking vampires and you have Laszlo Vargas and you have Gene Lyles and they're all just battling it out in the streets. If you're having fun with your players, if you're having fun as a storyteller and people want to play your game and they want to sit down at your table, 
then you've won. You've done it correctly. That's the only correct. There isn't, you, you, you don't have to include all of this. Anyways, I'm not going to go overly long on that. It's just a review of this book. Um, I would say, you know, pick up the PDF. It's only a couple of bucks. I paid $20 for this book two times. So I'm a sucker. Um, two times. <laughs> two times. Two times. Two time world champ. Um, because um, I, I, we have to, you know, obviously we have to read these books every week to do the review. And looking that on a screen to read these books, because most of these books I've purchased on PDF, like it kind of burns my eyeballs out and I like to have a physical book so I can like take it to the pooper. I personally, I don't like taking my electronic devices into the bathroom because it's kind of gross. I don't know. I have a different perspective on a book and I've kind of grossed myself out a little bit more. So anyways, <laughs> first off, when you have a congressional meeting, you need to bring notes, right? <laughs> right. So right. when you're meeting a Congress and you're talking shit, you got to have something to read. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's, that's no harm. Nothing gross about that's it. That's for sure. All right. So next week we, uh, we are reviewing the V20 companion. Um, so essentially the V20 companion is just like a, you know, companion piece to, uh, um, yeah, to V20. So we'll get into that a little bit. It's, uh, it's got some additional stuff. Um, my copy, hopefully, uh, well, I got a, I, I bought a PDF copy of it, but, uh, I also got a, a physical copy of it because again, reference earlier, I don't think it's going to be here before then. Cause drive through RPG kind of takes a little while to, to get to you, but, uh, um, yeah, awesome. So also I wanted to make sure I didn't forget cause, uh, I had put out the call that if you have a game and you are looking to recruit people or you just want to tell people about it give us a shout out it's been a couple of weeks um but i do have one here um the game is called um puppet prince um no i'm sorry that's not what it's called the the website is puppetprince.com the game is called new england nightmares um it is a um it's a it runs off of the newer minds eye theater books um and they've been running for about four years now they've got over 30 active players and it takes place in New Haven, Connecticut. So they have a venue that they gather at in Southington, Connecticut. So if you are in the Connecticut area, we are not. But if you are in the New England area and uh, Southington, Connecticut is not an obscene uh, amount of distance for you to travel, um, head over to puppetprince.com and check it out. I'll have a, a link on our website on this post so that folks can go and check it out. Um, so, uh, it was, uh, um, David is the one who sent it, sent this to me. Um, he says, uh, go on the website, create an account, hit the Chronicles tab. Um, they're listed as new England nightmares. Um, so it it appears as if probably they're part of a, a network. I don't know really too much more about it, but go to the website, check it out, go LARP. Go, uh, go play some Mind's Eye Theater. Uh, it's tons of fun. Um, additionally, uh, I was going to say something else. Um, anyways, I'll probably remember after this podcast and kick myself in the ass for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, also, Humble Bundle. Go to our website. Click the link to help us out. There's a Vampire the Masquerade Humble Bundle that's available until October 17th. Um, so, you know, get yourself some free books or, well, not free books, but get you a, you know, bundle of books and help us out as well. Based on what you're willing to pay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there are varying degrees, but, um, yeah. So go check that out. Um, other than that, that that's it. That's all. 
podcast is over. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk to you again soon. Have a good one. Hey, folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.